Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm fine. I, uh, yesterday was my wedding anniversary, and my lovely wife and I had wonderful plans for last night, and we ended up doing what so many Americans did. We sat in front of the TV in horror, watching these scenes from a city that we love. It, it was just, it, it, was, it was awful. It was awful, and you do wonder, sort of, I mean, some people are saying, well, that's the new normal. I guess we're going to have to just watch these attacks every six months or so, and I strongly rebel against that instinctively, and I think intellectually, too. And I, Mark Stein has a wonderful column put up late last night. Um, I mean, are we just going to accept this, or are we going to be serious about dealing with the threat of Islamic terror? Uh, one of the things that, we would, uh, that uh, occurs to me is, uh, you know, you and I t- talk a lot to uh, audiences in Europe. We do a lot of debates with people on, you know, the, the progressive side. And progressivism and pacifism, you know, are very, very close. I-, I think it's reasonable to say to these pacifist progressives, okay, you want to do nothing in the Middle East. You want to let Syria burn. You want to let Iraq burn. You want et cetera, et cetera. This is the consequence of that, isn't it? The, that the re- the, you, you don't have what happened in Paris if you don't let the fire continue to burn out of control in Syria and Iraq. Is that a fair judgment? I think so. And also, if you don't let waves of immigrants in and feel that it's somehow a moral duty to to do so and not to be serious about immigration control as well. So, no, absolutely. And I think if this, you know, it's a horrible thing and you hate to even say, is there kind of a, a you know, a bright side or some consequence that could be healthy? But if this provokes finally, finally, a real debate about the West, about the war we're engaged in, it provokes a debate over there and over here, incidentally, uh, since we've become more European in our attitudes on this under President Obama, uh, that, would be a, that would be a good thing. On the other hand, I, you, know, you and I have been through this many times in Madrid and London and, of course, attacks over here and, and uh, horrible attacks in the Middle East itself and hundreds of thousands dead and nothing so far has provoked a real rethinking. I mean, the, 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 the obstinacy, the, the staying power, really, of this kind of progressive, sort of pacifist, appeasement-type mindset has been really astonishing. And I, I do hope... Uh, maybe the people won't have died in vain, if you can put it that way, if, if, if this causes a fundamental rethinking. We're talking to Bill Crystal, editor of the Weekly Standard magazine. And uh, one of the questions that I've been asked a lot in the last 12 or 13 hours, Bill, is, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, the fact is there are this number of people inside Islam who have a vision of their faith that involves violence. Uh, they aren't simply just going to like convert to Methodism. Uh, I, you know, maybe that's Ann Coulter's plan. I don't know, but you know, they're, they're not going to. Right. So, w- are there public policy things we can do, or is this just, as some call it, the long war, and that's that? Well, I think it's could, it probably is a long war, but there's a big difference between winning a long war and diminishing the violence and the momentum on the other side and making clear that the other side is losing the long war uh, and and ourselves being in retreat in a long war. So will it all totally go away? Will will, will Islam be purged of any conceivable uh, strain of this? Of course not. Uh, but but it makes a huge difference if if Muslims all over the world, young people who could be recruited, think this is a losing proposition. They're getting nowhere. They're in retreat. They're getting killed. They're not conquering parts of countries. They're not successful in their terror attacks in the West. Uh, they're not successful in sending people into the West. Uh, and the opposite. And that's, I think, the huge difference between what everyone thinks of the Bush administration. They made a lot of mistakes. I don't think at the end of 2008 uh, – 
well, ISIS didn't even exist, but al-Qaeda and the sort of proto-ISIS and the people who could be recruited for ISIS thought, gee, this is kind of a winning enterprise we're engaged in. Uh, they at least had very severe doubts that they were going down the right path. And I would say that was probably true through the killing of bin Laden, you know. And since then, if you're a, uh, a potential uh, Islamic uh, warrior, someone who thinks this is a righteous cause, a heavenly cause, I mean, and then it looks like you're winning. They can always come back to that statement of bin Laden that was so true. The, the strong horse and the weak horse in the, mm-hmm. in the Middle East. And I think it's really true in a kind of religious, fanatical uh, movement like this. Winning creates more recruits. Uh, winning is a good recruiting tool. Losing is bad for recruiting. You'll mm-hmm. get some die hards, some, what, are they, what do we call them? Some, you know, die hards. Uh, die hards, some, yeah. some you know, bitter enders. That's you're right. never going to stop having some horrible people kill people somewhere. But it makes a huge difference whether you're winning or losing. And it's so fascinating. And, uh, you know, we wa- I, I want to be careful not to politicize this too much. I know the president says we should politicize things like this. I don't necessarily think I'm ready yet. But for the the unfortunate irony of President Obama's interview uh, running Friday morning saying we have ISIS contained and then Friday evening you have this uh, well-coordinated, long-planned ISIS attack. If you just Google, Bill, ISIS and decline, this wave of mainstream media coverage from the Atlantic, the New York Times, every, oh, ISIS, I'm looking at an article right now, the decline of ISIS has begun January 2015, the Atlantic Monthly. Why, I mean, the, the facts on the ground are the facts on the ground. Why do you think there is such a resistance to reporting and confronting those facts? Because those facts have implications, facts have consequences, and uh, liberalism progressivism does not want to come to grips with the consequences, the foreign policy consequences, the homeland security consequences, the immigration policy consequences, the civilizational consequences of what one has to think about militant Islam and how one can't just be a cheerful little multiculturalist worrying more about safe spaces on campuses against someone insulting someone else uh, as opposed to fighting this serious threat to, to the West. So I think my father once said a neoconservative is a liberal who's mugged by reality. Right. But a friend of his then said, you know, a lot, and made a very good qualification, which is a lot of liberals get mugged by reality, but they refuse to press charges. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to come to grips with the consequences of what they see around them. And I think that really is the stage of, uh, of liberalism we're in now. They can't quite deny. I don't think we're going to see so many ISIS and retreat pieces after this. Uh, but we, but they we're going to see a lot of denial of drawing any real-world policy consequences. From this. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this is France's 9-11 or this is Europe's 9-11 or whatever. And my reactions to that are a couple. One is Madrid was a pretty yep. <laughs> 9-11-esque event. The uh, 7-7 attacks in England where you had not just an attack on the mass transit system, but two weeks later, another one. And that, that was, to me, particularly disturbing, the fact that you had enough of these you know, willing to die terrorists that you could do two attacks, you know, within a short period of time. What is this somehow different? Has it crossed a line or is this going to be another case, Bill, where a month from now it's going to be, oh, yeah, that Charlie Hebdo thing happened. And oh, yeah, that terrible attack on a theater. Or was this more and bigger? And will there be policy consequences for Europe and the West? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see, and a lot of that will depend on leadership here and in Europe and elsewhere. I mean, what about, I don't want to politicize this either, but over the next few days, Republican candidates, of course, Democratic candidates tonight are going to be asked mm-hmm. about this. The Republican presidential candidates, aspirants, will be asked about this. They are running for president of the United States. What do they have to say? Will they be, you know, will they step forward and 
have ser- be serious about what we need to do in defense and intelligence? Will they be serious about speaking the truth about radical Islam? That'll be interesting to see. And, and how much do they make this a centerpiece of their campaign, as opposed to sort of mentioning it, you know, box checking it, and then moving on to discussing, you know, whatever the domestic policy issue of the day of the day is. So I think it's really up to us. I very much agree that Madrid for me was a huge moment. I mean, there was this horrible, horrible attack. Probably took more casualties even than the attack in Paris mm-hmm. today. And the conservative government in Spain, which was an ally of the Bush government, lost its reelection. And the sort of the Spanish people decided they didn't want to be involved in this fight. And if they elected a left-wing government, very much an Obama-like government, actually, they could get out of the fight. I think right. Europe maybe has found out that that doesn't work. Maybe we found out that doesn't work. Well, uh, one would hope. Uh, That was al-Qaeda. 191 people died in the train bombings in Madrid in 2004. Another 1,800 wounded. And uh, what's fascinating, Bill, is people on uh, whose uh, politics, you know, veer towards non-interventionism, they uh, are still dispute. Oh, that wasn't al-Qaeda. That was just some, you know locally radicalized something or other and i'm like what why why, why? <laughs> talk about denial i mean what, what it's it's it really is politics in front of reality one last thing i want to ask you about because you mentioned the debate the debate tonight uh terrorism may well have not even been a topic if this hadn't happened uh how central do you think it will be and is it fair to say uh secretary of state clinton when you started your job as secretary of state uh, uh, there was no ISIS. Now they're killing people. Isn't this part of your legacy? I think it's fair. I saw a tweet just now from a political reporter saying, well, this really destroys Sanders' chance because people will want to tough, experienced people to be president, so Hillary has an even easier path to the Democratic nomination. To which my reaction was, well, maybe Sanders isn't the guy you want uh, coming on TV last night to make the statement to the American people. But Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State of this administration for the first four years, who's on record saying we're winning against al-Qaeda, we're winning, of course, you know, things are getting better in the Middle East. She left the conditions that allowed ISIS to grow and that and on in, in, in her comments over the last two years she's been very you know she has not endorsed the kinds of measures that would start to set back ISIS so yeah I, th- I I think this will be one of these things where the initial think will be oh this is good for Hillary because she's experienced I think it will feel different a week from now and I if I were some Democrat who was not part of this administration who had a hawkish bone in his body as if there's anyone left I would think about still about getting in the race I can't believe that even the Democratic primary electorate thinks this is all great and let's just ratify the Obama foreign policy. Uh, and that will we will see what happens tonight. Just remember tonight's debate is on CBS. So uh, I, I anticipate a lot of conversations about where do you get your shoes and uh, do you prefer northern Italian versus southern Italian cuisine. It's also, Bill, on opposite five top ten NCAA football games and on a Saturday night date night uh, it's almost as though they don't want you to uh, to know what's going on. Oh, I don't, I don't think talk. so, Michael. Hillary welcomes the scrutiny of the American people. She's one of the most transparent candidates ever, and she really wants people to see what she has to say. No, that is that is amazing. On the other hand, I think the events tonight, and even if people don't watch the debate, and they're they're normal people and they watch the football game, they'll watch clips of the debate, and presumably even the mainstream media will report what Hillary does or doesn't say about this. And I hope the moderator asked the kind of question you posed, and not just some, well, do you do, are you sorry about what happened in Paris and allow her to get away with a 60-second statement expressing uh, condolences and solidarity with the French people. 
Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.